in one minute, I would like you to paint your hell, like a customized hell for you. And okay. go. I was actually just talking about this yesterday with someone. My customized hell is a bad trip on mushrooms where you are at the lowest depth of sadness and every negative emotion and you can't get out and you have to wait for the trip to end. And, uh, and yeah, you're like, you feel like you're in a state of psychosis. Um, and it never feels like it's going to be okay again. That slash the worst breakup, the worst part of a breakup, I think is the lowest hell slash being, on the blue line when someone is smoking in it and you have to get out and move trains. The experience of while they're smoking or the experience of leaving and them knowing that you're leaving because they're smoking. All, all of that. Okay. So you're that you could easily combine those three experiences. (laughs) Yeah. To be on shrooms, getting broken up with mid hop from one blue line cart to another. That is absolutely my deepest hell. These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm the host of the show. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. And my guest on... The podcast this week is also a Chicago stand-up, Lucia Whalen. Lucia has a great joke about infertility uh, that that she experienced. I believe it's she she mention, mentions cysts. Uh, so I realize I'm jumping right into her material and and the substance of the show and that's for a reason but Lucia has this joke in which she talks about how grateful she is for being infertile and the punchline is what am I going to give birth to my own competition for water and obviously it's much funnier in the context of her whole joke. You'll hear us talk a little bit about that at the beginning of the episode. But the reason I bring that up right now is because fertility is the, the news just broke before I sat down to the, to record this, that, the um the draft of the majority opinion of the supreme court got leaked which i guess is a thing that's never happened before but it's an opinion about the overturning of roe v wade and as you can tell from the fact that it's a majority opinion i mean it 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 looks like i i'm not an expert um I don't want to speak too much on the parts of this that are um, not for me to speak on that are, that are best spoken on by other people, namely people with uteruses. But I do want to say that if Roe v. Wade is overturned as it seems likely to be, 
that's another predictably terrifying sign that people in power do not care about the lives of people without power in the United States, and I'd venture to guess around the world. I don't know if they actively think about it, but on some level, they want us to die, or, or they want us to exist as, as machines for them. They, they want us to produce things and to reap the benefits of those things. They surround themselves with each other. Or if people are amidst other, you know, marginalized or poor or overlooked people and still have these the same opinions as people in power, they surround themselves with with the same opinions, with the 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 media, the the friends, the people just gassing each other up, getting high on self-righteousness that is completely it's completely diagonal to what the fucking issue is. And I'll be honest, I did not know what people meant when they said abortion is healthcare. I was like, I, I, I was, because I grew up evangelical. I grew up thinking about the, um, when life begins, which as far as I can tell is not the fucking point. Um, but, but but so I wondered, I, I was like, well, is this, um, what, what does it mean that, a, that abortion is healthcare? In the same way that when people started talking about Medicare for all, when people started talking about healthcare as a human right, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, health is a human right, but healthcare is like insurance companies. Like, do we all have a right to an insurance policy? And and it turns out that healthcare is a human right means that health is a human right. And no, who gives a fuck if it's through insurance? Ideally, it's not through insurance, but it should be. It's it, it's a fucking right, uh, and it should be affordable, and not make someone risk their lives. And that's the same deal with abortion. People have unwanted pregnancies. They have had them. They will continue to have them. And no baby should be born into the world that is unwanted. Full stop. And the the thing that helped me wrap my head around the the phrase abortion is healthcare. And listen, I get that I'm revealing that there is a part of my brain that is deeply indoctrinated with conservative ideology, American conservative, you know, that is that's no uh real part of me right now, but but there is some default that that's apparently where my brain starts on the spectrum sometimes until I think and talk through these issues. But 
so I, I found a statement from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This is one of these professional organizations. They are in coalition with many other uh, similar, you know, academy of, uh, this is not a real one, but reproductive care and, and similar, like, the, the, they're, the, they're the fucking doctors. That's what they are. And there is a, a statement on their website called Facts Are Important. Abortion is Healthcare. And here's the, here's the paragraph that, that, that clicked for me. And this is literally, it took me to find out about this, this draft majority opinion to, to start doing this research. So I'm not an expert, but I am saying, yo, in the times when this shit hits the fan, we can imperfectly march forward, learn about the shit, learn about the fan, try to scrape the shit off the fan. So here, here, here it is, this, this paragraph. Induced abortion is an essential component of women's health care. Like all medical matters, decisions regarding abortion should be made by patients in consultation with their health care providers and without undue interference by outside parties. Like all patients, women obtaining abortion are entitled to privacy, dignity, respect, and support. Full stop. I'll link that statement in the show notes. But that's what this is about. This is about, we all know that abortion doesn't stop when it's illegal. It just becomes way more dangerous. And the people who obtain illegal abortions who will be given privacy, dignity, respect, and support are the people who, and I guess that's something now that I'm reading over the statement, I I would say like all patients, people obtaining abortion, but the people who are, who receive those things will be people with means people who are marginalized black people, indigenous people, people of color, disabled people, queer people. These people deserve privacy, dignity, respect, and support too. It's just, and and I know, I know, (laughs) I know that I've, I'm talking to people who it would, it would be a real shock if, if I were blowing some minds by saying this. Uh, so, but, but this show is about the world we live in as much as it is about the world that might be after this one, uh, or worlds. And I think it's really important to be present and show up for this world. So the thing I will say that might take a few people by surprise is if you're able to donate, um, I would suggest you don't donate to Planned Parenthood. Instead, I would suggest you donate to your local abortion fund. 
Google your city or your state, or you know, if you're international, they 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 exist all over. But uh, and I'll, I'll provide some links to abortion funds and how to find them as well in the show notes. But that 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 money is is mutual aid when you give to an abortion fund. That money goes straight to providing the health care that is a right um, known as abortion. And, and what I know of Planned Parenthood, I know, I, well, I, I've, I've heard trustworthy sources say that they, they don't treat their workers great. They invest a lot of money in PR um, and that apparently there have been closures uh, of clinics in some of the most high-need areas. Um, and so, yeah, just keep in mind that the automatic organization you think to donate to might not be the best um, and to, to do a little digging. But all of this, we're fumbling around. Um, we need each other. We need shit's real man like if we haven't learned that unexpected things are going to happen or or things so long expected that they tend to become unexpected like we've heard about the roe v wade stuff for so long and now it's here this shit happens this shit is real this is our real life and we need to show up with money for people who need abortions via these abortion funds. We need to show up with learning about what the fuck is happening. We need to show up to education, finding out about what is happening from people who've had abortions, who've provided abortions, who've been working in this reproductive justice fight for decades and decades and yeah and and we need to show up in the streets as well um to the extent that we're able so heavy heavy start to this week um especially a a heavy start to an episode that is very silly with Lucia here. Lucia's a very funny comic. This joke about her competition for water is uh I mean as you'll hear, it's 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 one of three uh she's one of three comedians whose whose jokes I, I, I will quote socially now. And they're all, you know, relatively unknown folks. So please know Lucia Whalen. Enjoy this conversation with her. I do want to thank the folks on Patreon who are making this conversation possible. Those pigeon level patrons are John Lee, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Susie Carroll, Fred Fidawa, Shuba Singh, and Debo. Thanks to you all. If you would like to support this show, if you enjoy it, please uh, join that Patreon. You can pay $5 a month or $15 a month. 
think of it as buying me a coffee or a meal. But speaking of healthcare, more likely it goes to insulin. Uh, and you can join the Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You can find Lucia and uh, me at the links in the show notes. Lucia is starting a podcast, an environmental comedy podcast called What a Waste. You can find that in the show notes. Find her hosting Cole's open mic every Wednesday in Chicago. And yeah, that's, uh, that's what I've got for now. So, uh, please, uh, share, share this, this podcast with your friends. If you like it, um, you know, leave a review in Apple podcasts, subscribe, tell one friend, uh, I'd be very grateful for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the the heaviness of, of transitioning into the show now, but that is what I have for you. So, um, yeah, that's, (laughs) oh boy. So yeah, now, now please genuinely, please enjoy this conversation with Lucia Whalen. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like. And you've entered a pantheon of of now three people. It's you, Cam Gillette, and Megan Strickland. If you know who she is, who? Wait, what's um, the last name? Strickland. Okay. She was in Chicago for a while. She's in New York. Um, she was one of the few people in my generation who moved successfully from improv to stand up. Okay. Um and it's like her, me and Jake Knoll, basically. Mm-hmm. And anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh this group is a group of people who I would quote their jokes like at a party. Like in like people I know whose jokes I would share in a social setting. Oh my gosh. And the joke was that um the infertility joke. Yay. And I to- I told it to I told it to someone uh two like a day or two ago, just a buddy visiting from London and he was like jealous when I told him the joke. <laughs> I was like he was like damn, that's like man, that made like can't believe she got that like, <laughs> not that he's really gonna have the like vag- like uterine infertility joke yeah he can man, he can have my cysts yeah <laughs> take them buddy that's a great joke dude Thank giving you. birth to your own competition for water i was like damn this is like because the very little stand-up that i've been exposed to at since covid started I've been disappointed by the lack of like wailing and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of just want to hear people <laughs> screaming into the void because that's what I feel like. Yeah. And that felt like a screaming into the void sort of joke to me. Does that make sense? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm proud of that one. That's one of those where uh, that I like that punchline like came to me while I was in a show doing it. And if I hadn't come up with that, that joke was going to fail. I kept trying to do fertility jokes and it, they just like were okay. And then I said that line like offhandedly and I was like, finally, okay, well, 
That's great. So wait, you didn't, it wasn't even something you would like jot it in a notebook to try on stage. No, I literally said it offhand. I was actually, I remember it was on a show Tyler Horvath was running a few years ago and I was, the, the, the joke was bombing. And then I was like, what, am I going to give birth to my own competition for water? And then it popped off and I was like, oh my God, that's that cool. I love is... the creative process when you absolutely can't predict it or replicate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when each time it feels like you have to invent the thing anew completely. Yeah. What do you hope happens when you die? Mm. Holy shit, wow. <laughs> I knew what I was coming into, but I didn't feel ready for this one. <laughs> um, what do I hope happens? I hope that I don't have to... I, I hope what I think happens is that we re I do think there's a reincarnation process of some kind. I think we have like a certain level, a certain th- list of things that we're supposed to learn or something. And then you transcend them at some point. What I hope happens. You actually when I do die, think that. I do think that what I hope happens is that I don't have to reincarnate as a human. And I become some sort of um, angel or spiritual guide who has transcended the human plane and i never have to come back and experience hunger or pain (laughs) give me the hierarchy of beings as you see them um i honestly don't know i think they're like i think they're like our dead um ancestors and then I think there are, uh, I don't know. I think there are angels. I do like believe in angels and I don't fully believe, know what that means. I think they're like angels and spirit guides. And then I think they're like ascended masters. I don't know. I think that, I think there's like something above angels and then oneness. I don't know. I'm okay. making this up. Okay, I'm making so we're, this up. I like it. So we're talking like a many lives, many masters. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. This is, is where all common, of this is my frame of reference. Yes, that book a common is my frame reference. Of reference. Okay, okay. Um, are there any physical creatures above human beings to you? Hmm. Or what's below human beings? Or do do animals, plants, inanimate objects are do those things not even factor into the hierarchy i don't know i mean some people like believe that their animals like re- i don't know that's I, I don't know i feel like plants are more intelligent than all of us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i feel like animals are better morally than most people i think they're better morally i think they have a pure spirit yeah yeah but i do think that like we are we are here to like learn lessons so maybe that maybe animals reincarnate into people i don't know i'm making this up wow so learning lessons is like a is a (laughs) more desirable a more evolved state of being than you see the animal state as like being trapped in some way in a lack. Maybe because I'm like, why would you want to come to earth? You know, I'm like, why? I really, what like my worldview is like, we come to earth to like learn lessons and then go. Um, Because like, there's so much pain and suffering 
mm-hmm. that I, I that I need to believe that there's some why why come here you know I okay are there what are the lessons do you have a sense of the lessons you feel like you're here to learn um yeah I feel like a lot of my lessons have to do with like uh relationships and like learning to trust other people and uh yeah i don't know this is a oh man this is a lot (laughs) (laughs) what what aspect of it is a lot i well you know i feel like a lot of um i'm definitely like a believer that like most of our trauma happens when like we're kids and when we're younger and then like the rest of our lives is like unlearning all of that. So I sort of Mm -hmm. feel like that sort of, I think we're here to love and we're here to make the world a better place. And we're here to help others and be of service. That's what I believe. I just decided right now. (laughs) But as you're saying that I feel a, a, a reluctance or like a, like you're aware that that's a very like, sort of canned answer honestly i feel like i'm 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 revealing if i tell you what i really think i feel like i'm so many people will think i'm delusional i really i i'm a serious believer in astrology and we'll stop uh, at so many because not so many people listen to the <laughs> podcast so you're gonna be okay 300 people i so i okay here's some background so you know where i'm coming from my family i grew up in like a very hippie religious family everyone in my family meditates um my okay. stepmom was a teacher at maharishi university and like went to ma hmm. ma Maharishi's home in like Sweden so like there's a lot of new agey stuff that I grew up with um a lot of astrology astrology is like the worldview of my stepmom which was transported to me which was okay so in Vedic astrology if you look at like your birth chart like all the planets basically represent like the karmas that you're here to um like live Mm. out and learn and it i only believe in it because it has weirdly been so accurate i like didn't believe it when it was first told to me and i was like this is all bullshit and then i ignored it and then i like it started making sense and i was like this is sort of weird so i do believe that i like that we individually each have like different lessons to learn and uh what's an example of it being super accurate um, so I have like serious problems with my mom. Well, so my, my, like my parents had like a brutal divorce. I have like a very tumultuous relationship with my mom and in my chart, it like shows that and it shows that like, I don't get a lot of support from her. And I used to like really rely on her and my life was pretty difficult. And, uh, And there was one point where I was like, I'm just going to, but like my dad stuff is all really good. And I was like, I'm just going to like rely on my dad and like get all my advice from him and like sort of connect with him. And then my life like became amazing. And I I just mean in terms of like emotionally and like the opportunities that started coming my way. And uh, so I think like all my family stuff is represented there. Um, What's like a concrete example? I will say it does sound convenient that 
the person introducing to this introducing this to you is your stepmom and she's like, step-mom. yeah your mom this is your mom sucks you gotta stop talking to your mom for sure your dad's the good one Ah, uh, there's another person related to it. Doesn't say exactly how, but a female presence near your dad that's also really good. But it says <laughs> your mom for sure sucks, dude. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, that's I mean, probably I true. She actually, she actually sketched it out for me. She put the planets where they're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Tweaking your birth time or something. Yeah, she told me my birth time. She wasn't even there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. So wait, and you were you were about to say though that how you something you hope about your reincarnation. It's because we I did kind of stop you on what you actually believe, which is technically can be a part of the que- an answer to the question, mm. but is not specifically. But you were saying you hope that it is something more specific. I hope I don't reincarnate as a human. Oh, that's right. That's right. You said that. Okay. Okay. Like, I hope Um, that, uh, I hope that I somehow like, I don't know what the goal is here necessarily, but I hope that I, uh, leave the cycle of samsara so I don't have to come back. I love life. Let me say this. This sounds like I'm very depressed. I love life. It doesn't. I love life. I truly love my life. I'm a very privileged person. I love my family and friends. I have a lot of fun. But uh, I do think that the earth is a general nightmare. And I do Mm -hmm. hope that if there's some reincarnation process, I don't have to re-enter it. Okay. So as an angel, you wouldn't necessarily be on earth. I wouldn't be on earth. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. That makes (laughs) sense. Does this all sound crazy? I never no. say any I mean, of this out loud. I'm just walking around with this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first well, time I mean, ever saying I any guess, of this out loud. Well, dude, the, the context in which you're telling, you're asking me if this sounds crazy is like you're talking to someone who's been inside even more than like 90% of the people I know. Most of my, literally most of my conversations quantitatively at this point have been on this podcast talking about this stuff. So I don't think I'm the right person (laughs) to tell you if what you're saying sounds crazy. I'm just like, no, this is just what people talk about all the time, every week. You know what? I can actually change my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Many lives, many masters. I'm glad you brought that up. That actually like, has influenced a lot of sort of what I think about all this stuff in terms of it's the only answers mm-hmm. I've ever gotten, you know? So I'm like, I guess this makes sense. And if people are all having near-death experiences and experiencing the same thing, that seems like what's possible. I do, more than like, I think we're here to learn lessons. I do think we're here to like reach some version of our own potential. So maybe that's a better way to put it. I think we're here to like learn how to be like happy and heal like our past wounds and like be happy and reach some level of fulfillment. And then help others. I think I want to change lessons to that's what I actually think. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Is that okay? Consider it changed. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, it's Dave. I am taking a break from the guest for a moment to tell you about my newsletter, Definitive Answers. 
It's short for Definitive Answers to Unanswerable Questions. Basically, every week I send an essay in which I am squeezing current events in my own life for insights into creativity, culture, mental health, the kind of stuff I talk to guests about, but it's just me. So if you want essays like that, if you want music recommendations, a mood board of links and worthy places to donate, think of it like an old school alt-weekly, but just from my very overly sensitive comedy man's perspective, if that sounds good to you, you should subscribe. It's called Definitive Answers. You can go to thisisdavemar.substack.com or just click the link in the show notes and I'd love to have you and tell me if you like it. Okay, back to the guest. Funeral planning. Do you have any <laughs> ideas for things you definitely want, things you definitely don't want, can encompass any aspect of the death, burial, event planning process? I mean, I am, dev- I'll, I'll tell you this, I'm devastated I can't be at my own funeral. I'm such a narcissist. Why? I want to hear what everyone has to say. I want to hear it so bad. Say it to my face. You don't think you know? I'm, you know, I'm a words of affirmation person. I need it in real time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's actually sort of a funny bit. I might take that. I need, I need it. I need you to say it to my face. Yeah. Like I love, I love compliments. I love. (laughs) So so I have to miss my funeral, like when you get all of that. Okay, but so that's just one thing. Um, I don't like, <clears throat> um, I don't like coffin culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Say more. I, I, I just think it's not sustainable. It's like crazy that we have the population that we do, and we're still burying people, and we're taking up space if co- with coffins that don't decompose. Like, it's so crazy to me. Um, I definitely want to be thrown into the displays. Why? My like joke answer to this is I want my body to be chucked into the displays river. So like a group of second graders doing a displays river cleanup have to like find me, but that's my joke okay. answer. Like my that. real answer is I probably want to be, um, I probably want to be, what's the word? Uh, incinerated. Cremated. <laughs> Cremated. <laughs> incinerated. That sounds like you're, it sounds like the burning is never finished that way. It sounds like you're in a perpetual fiery state. I like that. Yeah. I want to pollute. Um, yeah. I want to be cremated. <laughs> and then like, I like the idea of, of like becoming a tree or something, you know, that you can like, there's like some sustainable Corpus options Mundi. there. Make, yeah. Corpus Mundi. You I definitely a don't want like a tree. Absolutely. I don't know if I want a grave. I guess I like, so people can visit you. That's nice to have a grave, but I don't need my body to be under it. I don't want my body to be around there. Okay. Where would you scatter? Would you scatter ashes? (sighs) That's, uh, it feels like so much pressure to choose a location. I would have my ashes scattered like at the Garfield Park Conservatory. Or something okay. like that. Throw it. Are you local it out there. to Chicago? I am. I'm from Oak Park. Okay. 
Okay. Is the Displains River around Oak Park? Yeah, it goes through gotcha. there. Okay. It's like a, okay. a dirty, gross river that requires cleanups. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. So if you could hear one. What, if there, so one person speaks at your funeral. Oh my gosh. Who's, who's the person, or they don't even have to speak at your funeral. They could be like an enemy, but who's one person <sighs> you want to know what they think of you. Um, and, and if, if you're afraid they'll listen to this, you can be, so I want you to be as specific as you can be, but feel free to describe their role in your life or why you want to hear what they think. If being too specific would cause so so ch- so one person who like i don't know what they think about me and i want to hear what they think about me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, the guy i'm dating right now <laughs> no i'm kidding um <laughs> <laughs> i love more information i would say that's a problem i would say you should stop dating him <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding um um, um, um that's a good question Someone, so yeah, all of my loved ones, I know how they feel about me. Um, definitely the the Booker of the Laugh Factory. <laughs> the Booker. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't know how to answer this question. Who do I? Who do I want to? Who do I? This is. I'm sure there's so many people. Like, who do I? Hmm. Um, who, what's your answer to this? I need ideas. Question. I've never, I've never considered the question. I've never asked anyone this question before. I, you know, my, my first thought went to, well, actually that's not true. My first thought went to a couple of peers in the Chicago comedy scene who sent me kind of shitty messages about Mm. booking me on their indie show. And this is from like peers who like you would think would be able to just tell you the truth anyway. And so it's like, wait, if you feel like you have to be like weird and shady and hide this from me, what, like if, if you even like, we're not that close. And if I ran a show and you were like, okay, devastating information for me. I would if you if you sucked on a show, I would be like, it's okay, man. It's yeah. it's uh it wasn't it, it happens to all of us. It wasn't your best, you know? And you like wanted to get rebooked, I'd be like, sure, absolutely. Like let's yeah. figure it out, you know? But for someone to if if you're in that situation, and now I'm getting really close to just like I, I'm getting say you know it, what it is. I'm it. getting really tro- no 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 no. I I can't say the name, but there is like one specific Facebook message that's haunted me for um, probably, well, since 20, for about four years. Um, and and it, so it was that situation. But instead of, if we're in that situation, and instead of me going like, hey, you know, wasn't the worst, try it again. Instead, if I was like, well, Lucia, um... It's uh, you know, it's kind of okay. Uh, I'll I'll get back to you. You know, you would all of a sudden be like 
wait, what? Are we oh, yeah. Like, that would friends? haunt me. That peers? would haunt me. Yeah. Can we not talk about this in a in a real way? And so that made me be like, oh, there's some secret that this person thinks about me. And that there was something they that like, oh, Dave thinks he's good, but secretly sucks at this. And that that's what actually everyone thinks. And I was like, I would, if I should stop doing this, and like most people think that, genuinely, I would really want to know that. Yeah. Because I might consider stopping, and it would maybe save me. Oh, well, I feel that way too. I mean, not for my funeral, but like, if people thought I was really bad, like if my friends thought I was bad, like my comedy friends, I'm like, I need you guys to tell me. One of my biggest anxieties is like being delusionally bad. And I think I have a good enough gauge of myself, but we're also like, we have faith in ourselves. So we keep going. But if that's the problem, you need the, you need a little bit of a delusion to like keep going and to suffer through setbacks. But then when does the delusion become too great where people, and then I seek out affirmation from people who actively maybe dislike me or who I actively dislike. I'm like, this person represents nothing that I want to be or enjoy. Yeah. And, and what the and if they don't, they need to know that I am better than they are. And I don't think anything of them. If that's not the situation here, then I have a problem. Well, I think this is why this, funeral question is so hard for me to answer because I want to know what people, what every single person thinks of me at all times. I want, yeah, I want to Because know. if they tell you, it could immediately change. It could change. It could immediately change. It could also change your life. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I feel could like, it though, is there something anyone's told you about yourself that actually changed an action that you took? Um, you know, I've been, when I was told that like I can come off as cold and like withholding in relationships that changed my life a little bit. I think there are certain things where there's nothing that has changed the core of my behavior. It is fascinating to me to hear how I'm perceived by other people. So like, Mm. I know who I am and like, there's no piece of information I'm going to get from anyone that I'm like, Oh, you know that that's who I am. I, I have like a, strong core sense of self but uh but i am fascinated by how i am generally perceived by like people who don't actually know me that well that's that's very fascinating to me because i think that's actually the hard one of the hardest things for us to know about ourselves when we're just like out in public you know what do you think it is do have you heard enough about it to hear what people i really don't know that always surprises me sometimes like uh, I don't, I mean, I don't get a, like a lot of feedback about that. I remember when like Caroline Twyman's one of my closest friends and she, yeah. we, the first time we met was at a comedy party for like on new year's. And she said when she met me, cause I don't drink. So I was also not drinking at this party, which was probably affecting how I was feeling. Cause I was in a very chaotic environment, but she was like, yeah, you were so cold and stern and that I saw I seemed very which is like not who I am at all but I think I come off that way to a lot of people where I come off as hmm. like a little uh w- withholding I don't know okay <clears throat> but 
Also, so I think I have an answer to this. I There's no one person who I would want. What I want is everyone who's ever had a crush on me to admit it at my funeral. I want a full list of every single person who's ever had a crush on me. Do you think you know who they are? No. Oh, okay. So I... What if, what if there's none? That would be devastating. <laughs> I mean... Like none other than people you've hooked up with or been in relationships. Yeah, I would. Like, I would kill no myself surprise. at my funeral. <laughs> 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 that <would> okay, be, <laughs> that would be brutal. That's like uh, that one jay-z song where he's like i would kill you commit suicide and kill you again i mean there is so now i'm gonna admit there's a certain level of confidence in me saying this expecting there's a list of 50 to 300 people what that is an insane (laughs) no no not that much not that much even 50 50 people who you haven't had any romantic or sexual transaction with who I have a crush on you. I think a good, what it, is that really what you think? A, a, I a mean, is that a normal number of all, by the time I'm saying by the time I'm 60 years old, 80 years old at my funeral, I think that many, I can probably have that many. If we're talking, I'm talking probably high school through 80 years old. I think 50 is a safe bet. I mean, you can, I guess, but for me, most of those years aren't crush worthy. I have about like an eight year window that I'm well out of at this point. That's like, that's, that's where all of them probably. Oh, I'm going to be flirting and schmoozing into my late seventies, but you could be getting (laughs) no response to the flirting and schmoozing. I'm going to be getting crushes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, hey, listen. I think if I had 20 really total for a life, I would be I would feel happy. I mean, yeah, give me 20, but I want 50. I asked people what's your coma and that's related to my experience of being in a coma and it being a sort of transformative moment. So the point being For you, what Mm -hmm. is a moment of transformation before you were one version of yourself and after you were another? Um, There are a few. Um, I've had like three mental breakdowns in my life. Okay. Not a lot of people know this. I've had three solid mental breakdowns. That have that, and the first one. <clears throat> well, so this is actually where my hell answer comes from. The first one I had, it was my first year of college. I had gone to this super hippie college in Olympia, Washington. The there were no grades. It was like evergreen. A, evergreen. I went to evergreen okay. my first year of college, okay. and I had a horrible, horrible trip on mushrooms. Like three weeks in, I literally had like basically. Not a public mental breakdown, but I had a bad trip in front of all these people who didn't really know me very well. And it so shook. Uh, I, I, I experienced like the deepest depths of despair and, and and like darkness that I could. I was like, there will never be a, a hell worse than this. Um, 
And it like so shook me. And I I then got broken up with like a week later. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And it was just like the because worst. Because of the trip or just totally separate? No, it was separate, okay. but I was probably a little unhinged. So I'm sure it was like a little connected. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and that that actually triggered me like becoming sober. And uh, so I was like, up until I was 19, I was like a huge partier. I was, I would get, I was like a blackout drunk teen. And uh, then I had this like really jolting mushroom trip and also just experienced my first year of college. And then I got sober, moved back to Chicago. And like the people who knew me before then versus now, it's like, they can't believe, like they can't wrap their minds around who I am. Uh So I'm such a different person. But it was sober did you do any like program stuff or um i was i did i did the therapy route so i was in like intensive therapy so i i I go to some meetings now because i like that it's like nice having a sober community but i i didn't do that initially uh but yeah it was i was like i said i was in college still so i like became a huge nerd and like I'm just, I'm a very different version. I like started meditating and like got yeah. into like health stuff. So I, I'm a very different version of who I, but the mushroom trip, like fully is were what you, I see as like the first divider of like those two selves. What, <clears throat> so what were you before? Were you like, were you popular in high school? I was, uh, I was, I ran with a cool, a cool group, yeah, I would say. Yeah. But they're like of douchebags. Now that I look back, I'm like, yeah. we were all like partying douchebags, but like I was, I was friends with all the hot people. I'll say that. Wow. That's wild. That see, looking backward, that does surprise me that that was your high school experience. Really? So I see. Cause, cause I, I, I get a sense of like studiousness from you and like, um, yeah. And, and, and moderation. And oh no. In high school, school I would, yeah. I got blackout drunk like every weekend and smoked so much weed all the time. I was a horrible student, but I was an athlete. So I had to keep my grades at a certain, certain mm. place, but I was, I mean, I've, I, I've always been smart, but like I had really severe undiagnosed ADHD. So mm. I, I hated school, but I liked learning. Um, and so that's when I actually started stand up because I took like a second city stand up class. Cause I was like, Oh, I love comedy. Comedy was like the first thing I was ever like self-motivated to do. Yeah. But, um, but I was, yeah, like a horrible student. And then in college, I, I became like the within a series of years, like became the complete opposite of everything I ever was. It was very confusing for everyone. So what about the trip made that happen? Um, well it was like in, it was during a time when I also like wanted to get sober. So I was like already like wanting to sort of like change my behaviors and my lifestyle. And then something about the trip, like, Oh, here's why. Because when I got to that school, I was like, I want to be sober, but immediately I became friends with the partiers and I just slipped back into that as my automatic way to meet people. And I was like, this has already put me on, this is what I didn't want to happen. And so I like sort of immediately cut all those people out and then 
hung with like a very nerdy crowd and uh i think i got scared of like the mental instability that i was the 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 thing that really want made me want to be sober is i was like very uh i was dealing with depression and all that and i i was like I, this feels very clink, uh linked to like my substance use and so i like didn't want that anymore and so it felt like mushrooms was like i don't know there was something about the trip that was like you gotta like get away from people who are negatively influencing you and and it was like was it like (laughs) oh my god i wanted to escape this pattern and now i'm right back in it Mm. that sort of thing yeah okay and you've never looked back not never looked back really from sobriety? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, for, like the, the, things changed from that, and you're just that is like that is such a concrete fix in a way. Like getting so wait, like what is the concrete? Yeah, fix? yeah, the fact that the <clears throat> fact that you never went back to being that kind like that's such a that is a very drastic point in time sort of coma moment. Yeah, it uh, it. Well, because I stayed there that whole year, but I was like actively making plans to leave. And uh, I probably I drank like a few more times. But um, but yeah, for me, it was like cutting out all drinking and everything that like. Yeah, I don't know. There was there's something about it because then it also changed like the people that I was around. Um, Mm -hmm. And. It wasn't all like smooth sailing from there. Like I said, I had like yeah, two no, no, more no, no. mental breakdowns. And then two more, yeah. <laughs> which we don't even have time for, but like, which I, I would love to tell you about any other time. But um, <laughs> I'm a lot less mentally stable than people would guess. That's actually probably a fun fact about me. The only thing as destabilizing for me as like drugs and alcohol are, are breakups. So mm, the only yeah. other time people have seen me in that vulnerable of a state are is like during breakups, but uh or traveling from one blue line car to the other. Exactly. Exactly. That is the show. Thank you for listening. Sincerely, thank you. Thank you for listening to the whole show. Thank you for engaging with me engaging with lucia opening yourself up to the possibility of engaging with your world beyond your scope of it and that's what we need to do so donate to an abortion fund follow lucia um join my patreon and (laughs) i know that's a funny combo but that's that's the one i have and until next week remember you are a mist and human beings they do miracles